SchoolsRadioNetwork.com. I am trying, like a booger, to go live on Facebook. Here we go. And we're going to go live in just one second. So uh, YouTube and uh, Comedy Schools Radio Network fans, please bear with us as we bring on the rest of the team. Coming up, one ringy-dingy, two. Uh, you know what? And we're live. Everything is good. We're golden. It's all right. It's all right, Ma. I'm only bleeding. Uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all persuasions. Welcome to the show. You are watching Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. I happen to be Tony Visick, and that's why we say with Tony Visick, because I'm usually the only one on camera. Uh, a friend of mine asked me a question the other day about uh, appearing on the show, and I said, uh, because uh, I had done a Friday morning show once a week for uh, a number of years, first on uh, AM or FM radio or FM and AM radio something, <clears throat> and uh, actually for a while I did five days a week on FM and AM uh, to discover I don't want to do that, uh, but, 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 um, um, I had done a Friday morning show where I did interviews, interviewed comics, interviewed writers, interviewed authors. It was strictly a, uh, audio program, but, uh, this show is not that. So we don't do interviews here. We talk to you. We talk to you. We, uh, build this show around three things. Uh, one being I'm going to recommend in a few moments a uh, couple of artists or piece of music based on my my vast and deep vinyl album collection. Uh, and also um, uh, I show some uh, knickknack or memorabilia or brickback or autograph from uh, some time in the past of my life and tell you stories about it. And uh, questions and comments that you place here on Facebook Live <coughs> or on YouTube or on uh, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. So we don't do interviews. I don't bring on, uh, and I could, I could bring on other artists and bring them on camera and do that sort of thing. But uh, this show is about me and you, about you watching and me, us together. That's what it is. Okay, you're not so much audience as you are uh, a whole boatload of friends who all get together and hang out with me every day at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Mountain Standard Time. Um, anyway, uh, a couple things coming up, a couple things to talk about before we get to uh, the fun stuff. Um, uh, oh, okay. So uh, tonight at 7 o'clock Mountain Standard Time, 7 o'clock Mountain Standard Time, we have our regular weekly Sunday night show on Zoom, uh, a mini pay-per-view event. That's how I look at these now. People go, a Zoom show, I go, it's a pay-per-view event. That's all. Okay. Uh, the uh, production values are different. You know, but the production values are different for a lot of different uh, uh, television shows and live stand-up shows. Um, so uh, the production values are different, but they're unique and they're interesting. But every Sunday at 7 p.m., we bring you Tony Vizic presents Sunday Night's Funnier tonight at 7 p.m. And tickets are still available. We have not been TikTok trolled like a Trump rally. So uh, we know that there are still tickets uh, available for uh, the Dads of Comedy featuring... Uh, Joe Gannon, me, special guest Robert Morgan, and featuring Greg and Alden Moody, a father and a son, doing stand-up comedy on Zoom. I think it's just the coolest thing in the whole universe. So uh, we got that going tonight, Tuesday night, ladies and gentlemen, this coming Tuesday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. I got something absolutely free for you that I think can uh, help you, help you, help you, help you and be fun. And uh, what I've got is a free intro to my stand-up comedy workshops. You don't have to be 
have a desire to be a stand-up comedy to take this workshop. Salespeople have taken it. Professionals have taken it. Attorneys have taken it. Engineers take it. People just looking for a hobby have taken it. Sunday night, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Absolutely free intro. Go to ComedySchools.com to get the meeting ID and password. So there's the advertisements. Uh, Happy Father's Day to all of you uh, who are saying Happy Father's Day to me. But not only to those of you saying Happy Father's Day to me, but to all fathers out there. Um, uh, We don't go on about what uh, what a job it is being a pop. And how much all of us that are a dad love doing it, but the um, uh, the awesome weight of the responsibility that each and every one of us feel uh, throughout our lives. Uh, so happy Father's Day, Jim Perry. Happy Father's Day to Mike Lawson. Happy Father's Day, Kevin Brown. Um, that's it. That's the only Happy Father's Days I've gotten. So, uh, but Happy Father's Day to all of you. All right. Uh, you know what you don't realize. Until you're a parent, and you don't realize it until you've been a parent for a while, is that you never stop worrying about your kids. You never stop worried about them when they're little. You never stop worried about them when they're old. That their pain is your pain. Their worry is your worry. Their concerns are your concerns. And no one tells you that. There's no handbook. That says this will be this will be someone who you will love your entire life. You will or should love them unconditionally. And that they will go through difficulties in adulthood that'll have cause even greater anguish and anxiety for you because they're not little and you can't kiss it and make it all better. So uh, to those of you that are dads out there. Happy Father's Day. And here's a good adage for those of you that have young children to live by. I've always liked this one. And it was only, it's never actually been true in my case, part of it. But uh, still the adage makes sense. Okay. Your children will eventually for a little while hate you no matter what. So you might as well do the right thing. (laughs) At one point they're going to be pissed off at you. So you might as well do the right thing. All right? So happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, Shifting away from that for a moment into some kind of, I'll make a goofy segue, being a father of other things. uh, I will say this right here. I've shied away from Santa for a long time, and it's not that big of a deal. But I am the uh, father, uh, not only the father and grandfather, of the local Phoenix comedy scene. Uh, When I first, (coughs) excuse me. When I first hit this town in 2001, there was no local comedy scene. Uh, I can tell you that there was uh, two uh, monthly shows. One going on at a place called uh, Joe's Garage or something. And another one at Forelli Cinema Supper Club. And that was it. And uh, sparsely attended. And um, there was no local scene. And I hit town in 2001 and unintentionally... Quite by accident, quite by mistake, without ever uh, having it as uh, one of my goals, uh, gave birth to the, enli- uh, the entire Phoenix comedy scene, which I will tell you is one of the most vibrant and exciting and interesting comedy scenes I've ever seen. Although at this point in my life, I watch a lot of it from afar. A lot of the Phoenix comedy scene is now like if I, uh, if I had been uh, uh, um, a Catholic in the 20s and had like 15 kids <laughs> before birth control and, uh, and a Catholic and just kept having kids. Uh, it is vast. It is interesting. 
a lot of talented people and a lot of mess too. But uh, things get lost over time historically. And a lot of people do festivals right now. We did the very first comedy festival in Phoenix, Arizona, and we did it all the way back in 2005. And uh, let's see what year this one is. I'm going to show you something. Uh, this is from the second one. There we go. Now, that is about as cheap, cheap as art as you can get. But uh, the, the kids who were helping me run the comedy festival really want to do T-shirts. I go, T-shirts don't sell. We'll have hundreds of them left over, and I do. Uh, this one's in great shape still because um, it's never been worn or used. It says, the Great Southwest, Great Southwest Comedy and Actor Convention, August 10th through the 13th, 2006, at the Scottsdale Plaza Resort. In 2005 and in 2006, I produced the Great Southwest Comedy and Actor Convention in Phoenix, Arizona. It was the very first comedy festival ever done in Greater Phoenix. In the first year, I made money. In the second year, I lost my ass. I ended up selling stocks in 2007 to cover the losses. Uh, but they were great times. Hundreds of comics from all over the country would converge on the Scottsdale Plaza Resort. And what I did was I rented beautiful rooms for them. I had contests for them. I brought in major players from all over uh, the country to talk to them. Uh, uh, booking agents, acting coaches, character actors, stand-up comics, and uh, um, they all were able to get together and get really drunk and high and sleep with one another and have a fantastic time, which is uh, the primary reason most young people get together. It may not be to sleep with someone that night, maybe to meet someone, but that's what it's about. They are Bacchanals, and uh, uh, although I did not participate in the Bacchanals, uh, being the, um, um, the producer of uh, such events, uh, the second year I had a girlfriend, uh, first year uh, I did not, but neither here nor there but uh everybody had a wonderful time uh an interesting some interesting things that came out of those conventions especially in the first one uh, uh famous comic bobby lee was in and i let the uh kids uh students a lot of them adults not kids interview a lot of the artists uh, i had the guy who was the main voiceover for, guy for abc at the time i had several booking agents i had uh television producers um uh, Legendary comics, working comics. Uh, Bobby Lee came out and he was interviewed by a student at the time, Josh McDermott. And now Josh, although maybe not as well known a name as Bobby Lee in comedy circles, has done, um, I'll, t I'll damn well bet you, financially better as a regular for several years on The Walking Dead. So uh, they were great times. I did both of them during my birthday. Uh, one year, I called it the $30,000 birthday party. Phyllis Diller was supposed to come the first year, and then uh, she was very ill, but uh, sent a plaque, a commemorative plaque. We put on contests. We gave away $1,000 in cash. It was a wonderful time at a really cool resort in Old Town Scottsdale, and now few, if any, remember it at all. And that's fine. That's the way things go. But a couple of years ago, I, heard, I saw someone posting up about a their local festival going, we're the first and only festival in Phoenix. I remember, that's simply not true. You know, uh, and I, I'd have to once again to go back at, and look at the list. Uh, uh, comics got work out of these conventions. They got booked on gigs. You know, they got to meet people that they only had seen on television. Uh, it was a wonderful time. I'm glad we did it. My uh, late great friend, Michael Massey, 
who uh, was in The Crow in the first season of 24 and oftentimes played devils and bad guys and Satan. It was one of the sweetest men I ever met. Uh, uh, came out and did a seminar. Uh, we had a wonderful time. Uh, he passed away from stomach cancer a few years ago. You know, I'm just going to say one thing. There's not a whole lot of people watching. I don't know how many people will view this thing in its entirety. Um, uh, I'm going to terribly uh, mess up this uh, quote, but it's a quote from Mitzi Shore. And if anybody knew comedy and comedians, it was Mitzi Shore, as did Bud Friedman, as did Mark Anderson, as did a number of people throughout the years. But Mitzi had the eye and she had the ear and she could read people. And she was being interviewed by someone for a magazine. And they go, every night you produce shows with the most wide-ranging and disparate personalities, men, women, black, white, Jewish, gay, straight, uh, rich, poor. Uh, every night you put on with so, uh, absolute maniacs. They go, how does it all work? And Mitzi said, and it's a terrible, I'm going to mangle it, but you'll get the point. She goes, my uncle Morty lives in New York. He's been married for 45 years. He never cheated on his wife. He does not drink. He does not smoke. He does not gamble. He does not take drugs. He's never hit anyone. He's never broken a law. He's never gotten a speeding ticket. And no one will pay a nickel to see him. So this thing that's going on right now with stand-up comics, a lot of it's stand-up comedy's fault. That somehow we uh, let the primary purpose of stand-up comedy be uh, moving from making people laugh to telling the truth. We let it move from making people laugh to telling the truth. And no one realized how insidious it was that that would then allow on the stage truth tellers that weren't necessarily funny. We're kind of funny. Okay? But as we see now, this uh, 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 obliteration of so many comics because of their personal lives, um, uh, as some of it would be justified, some of it would not be justified. Um, we see the mistake. Okay. The only thing I care about is, did you make me laugh? I paid five bucks to watch you make me laugh. I paid five bucks to watch you. I paid 10 bucks. You know, uh, my, my days of thinking that a guy stand on stage or a girl, a guy stand on stage talking about his penis at a minimum 20% of the time, <coughs> which is what you need to be funny. Or a woman stand on stage talking about men's penises or her vagina at least 20% of the time has anything to tell me about life and how to live life in a greater truth left long ago. I just like it when someone can give me a good laugh. All right? And we all have feet of clay. And uh, you know what? And the planet is heating up. So that means our feet, everybody's feet of clay is going to start melting a little more rapidly. So before you go pointing at someone, walk a mile in their shoes. Uh, but make sure that your clay's dry. All right. I, w I went on and on about that. Now I got something else to go on and on. But I went on about that. So I showed you that. That I, ladies and gentlemen, this is a 2006 shirt. I'm going to show it to you one more time. The very first comedy festival ever done with $1,000 cash prizes where people got booked. We're booking agents from all over the country. Producers. Television personalities. Etc. Showed up. Comedy coaches from all over the country. Showed up. We were the first ones to do it. And I'm gonna re I'm gonna I'm gonna reclaim my title. All right. Now let's talk about the music, because the music matters. All right, and you're gonna uh, this first thing I'm gonna show you. 
Uh, I picked this up not too long ago, and I had to have it. Okay, and this is a perfect example of uh, something we talked about earlier. I showed a National Lampoon magazine. Uh, there was a quote by William Randolph Hearst, the uh, newspaper man, uh, who was uh, somewhat depicted in uh, Citizen Kane. Uh, and his quote was, you give me a magazine with a child, a dog, and a pretty woman on it, and I'll give you a magazine that sells. And on National Lampoon, there was a child. It was a very homey-looking picture of a 1950s kitchen and a, like a beautiful young mom and a little six-year-old tow-headed boy and a big platter that she's feed, giving, the do, giving the boy, and on the fl- platter is a cooked dog with an apple in it. Uh, and the magazine still sold. Uh, one of the ways to always sell something was to put a pretty woman on it, and that's how Henry Mancini sold this album. There you go. Now, who was Henry Mancini? Okay? Henry Mancini created a lot of our, the soundtrack of our lives. Uh, these are all songs that he created for motion pictures. And they include Charade, Pink Panther, Days of Wine and Roses, and Moon River. So, uh, um, what else we got here? Uh, I don't know if he did Mary Poppins. This is by Winecoat, and I don't know who Winecoat was, but um, the, uh, the theme from the Pink Panther was the song from some of the funniest movies made in the 60s and early 70s. Dun-dun, 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 the Days of Wine and Roses, absolutely stunning, and, I also, uh, and, and Moon River, both, I believe, from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Breakfast at Tiffany's is a great, great movie uh, based on a very good book, I believe, and I believe that it was written by, I want to say Truman Capote, um, and it's about Holly Golightly, and in the movie, she's just a crazy girl that's come to New York, and the, her drama and her vivaciousness and her charisma and her personality just draws men to her like flies. But in the book, she's a whore, so, uh, uh, and instead of being the, a prostitute, uh, and instead of, uh, uh, and the story on her, of course, is that she comes off uh, very sophisticated, but she's actually just a small-town southern girl. And her family comes back to get her. Uh, good movie with Aud- Audrey Hepburn and George Pappard, before George Pappard drank himself into oblivion and ended up on the A-team. But a hell of a guy, uh, regardless. But if you get a chance, once again, when you have a quiet moment and you can relax in a chair and close your eyes and open your ears... And open your heart. Listen to Moon River and Days of Wine and Roses, especially Days of Wine and Roses. And you go, oh my God, there is something else in the universe beyond us. Something good, something wonderful. I mean, I think we kind of know right now in this day and time that there's something else in the universe besides us for sure. And most of it's scary. But when you listen to the music of Henry Mancini, and by the way, if you're under 40, it's going to be a little tougher Okay, if you were under 40 when uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's came out, it wasn't tougher because it was kind of a young person's movie. It was dealing with the things that young people deal with, not that old people deal with. But as you get older and the music moves past us, then you go, oh, that's like from a long time ago, yeah. Um, some stuff lives forever. I mean, uh, the Everly Brothers stuff all came out, you know, when I was an infant. And I still listen to it and go, God, that was good. Uh, all right. So Henry Mancini, check out Henry Mancini. He wrote the theme song to more uh, 
more great movies than you can shake a stick at. And this next one is, did we already, well, we talked about Vic yesterday. We're going to move on to something here. Now we're going to get into something really offbeat. Have I got, what else I got here that I could show you? I could go to that. 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 Uh, no, I'm just going to go to this. All right. Original 1950s jazz music. And this is Jazz Lab. All right. And it is with uh, Gigi Grice and Donald Byrd. And if you want to hear something wonderful, okay, then if you are looking to expand your mind and expand your music repertoire, you want to dig back into the early days of jazz, post Glenn Miller and all that stuff, what was considered jazz, big band stuff, till we got to the small ensembles that were uh, moving into what was then called hot jazz. So I'll just read you a little bit about this uh, uh, quickly. Uh, Gigi Grice is a serious but not pompous arranger, composer, altoist, and flutist. His writing extends to classical music, and he has written a sizable quantity of chamber, orchestra, and vocal works. He studied composition, in fact, at the Boston Conservatory of Paris in 1952. So these were serious, serious guys. Serious. And on this, he features Donald Byrd. All right? And if you just want to listen to something new, put in Jazz Lab, or put in Donald Byrd, or put in Gigi Grice into your YouTube, and you go, Wow. There's no way, if you have a soul, you could dislike that music. You might not love it. It might not grab you. But there's no way you'll be able to deny it if you listen to it. All right. That was the, we talked about Father's Day. We talked about uh, the Great Southwest uh, Comedy and Actor Convention. Uh, And I've shared with you two pieces of music. Uh, Happy Father's Day to you, Joe Gannon. Uh, Hello, Avadav Goyle. Abadav Goyal, happy future Father's Day to you. Happy future Father's Day to you. Uh, how's my Father's Day been? My Father's Day has been uh, wonderful, and it is heartfelt. Um, there's nothing good about what's going on right now, but we can find goodness in the way that we uh, respond to it. And my response today and for now is um, uh, my daughter has come out to visit. Now, yesterday, uh, one of my stepdaughters and my grandson came out to visit. This morning, I got a, a happy Father's Day from uh, my other stepdaughter and her family. Uh, and I've been here uh, with my wife and my daughter, and they gave me the most darling presents. And um, I guess here's something I'm going to tell you about dad. We know we're hard to buy for. And we know when you just buy us that tie, you know, we don't seem to get too excited. But you don't know how much we appreciate the gifts that you give us. And the reason we don't get too excited, the reason your dad might not get too excited when you buy him a gift is because if he does, he just might break down and cry of happiness and joy. And a little bit of melancholy. As a matter of fact, quite a bit of melancholy. So uh, to all the dads out there, I get you, man. I got wonderful gifts. Uh, I had a pergola, and uh, um, <laughs> I pulled my uh, Tom Sawyer routine, and uh, I said, hey, we'll all build this together. What do you say? And uh, my daughter and my wife and I trundled out to the yard, and uh, they put together a pergola while I held the directions going, I think you're supposed to use this bolt. So uh, I did my Tom Sawyer. So I had a cool pergola out in the backyard, 
I got wonderful gifts. My daughter got me a beautiful, painted me a beautiful painting. Gorgeous. Painted by her, but with her own hand. I will cherish it forever. I've got a lot of her art, as I do my brother Jerry's hanging up around here in the house. Uh, did I get a bobblehead? No, I did not get a bobblehead. <laughs> there. I guess no one loves me. I did not. Teen Mike. The day is not over, but I know where the bobbleheads come from in this town, and there are none available right now. Um, <laughs> uh, and my wife, I tell you a funny story. I was at a garage moving stuff around. I found this bottle, this big green bottle, and I'm like, "What? Well, liquid?" And I go, "What is this? Like, where the hell did this come from?" Get so much stuff out here. I brought it in. I go, "Sure, where did this bottle of tiki torch oil?" And then they both looked at me and I went, ah. So uh, then I went, oh, that's kind of weird. Uh, I don't know where that came from. Oh, what is this possibly for? So uh, I also got some very cool tiki torches that I'm going to be able to put out in the yard uh, when I barbecue my new pergola and um, even some very cool ground lights. So uh, each and every one of the gifts and the cards I got. Oh, and yeah, and I got soap. And it all, it all means a great deal to me. And you all mean a great deal to me. And for those of you that uh, tuned in today, I want to thank you for watching and listening. Hey, uh, party's not over, man. Tonight at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, you can see the Dads of Comedy. It's a cool show because it features a father and son duo, Greg and Alden Moody, two of my favorite people. They have been, uh, I've been working with these guys for years now, and I think the world of them. And you will think a world of them, too, when you watch our show tonight. Along with me, Robert Morgan, and Joe Gannon. It's going to be a wing-ding of a show. Please go to ComedySchools.com and buy a ticket. When you buy a ticket, you are buying three things. You're buying entertainment. You're buying in the American economy because we use some of the money that you pay to pay the comics. And you're helping feed people because money goes to the Maricopa Food Pantry. Okay? Okay. Uh, we're gone until uh, tomorrow at 2 p.m. All right, we'll see you then. Happy Father's Day, everyone. And happy to all the mothers that help fathers become good fathers. Bye-bye.